traveling the vortex. I am Absalom Dark, Dalek Killer. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed at episode number 276, where the Sonic is mightier than the sword. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Absalom. Dak. <gasps> Dalek Killer. <gasps> Hi, Absalom. <laughs> How are you guys? Excited to review these <laughs> comics. <laughs> and a little miffed that I didn't have a chance to put together an adversary archive for this, or a companion, a chronicle, whichever one you want to... The news is you still have plenty of time. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Could have gone either way, really. There's a lot of stuff still out there. Uh, I'm glad and I'm good. I'm great. Did you guys have a good week? The week wasn't bad. Picked up Star Wars uh, The Force Awakens on Tuesday. How many times did you watch Super it Super excited. Uh, three. No, four. <laughs> yeah, four. Because I just... Mason and I started the other day and he had to leave. And I was going to wait for him to come back, and I finished it. Thought I'll just go back to where we picked up because I mentioned <laughs> we won't get to finish it until next weekend. So, yeah. catching up on shows, watching uh, Clone Wars. I'm into season three now. Pretty good chunk of season three out of the way. Went and saw my nephew this morning play his band. In his band, he's a bassist in a band here in town. Oh, that's cool. It's a group called Morgan and the Freeman. <laughs> and the lead singer's name is Morgan. That's and, and she. It's a girl. And then there are three other guys. They're the Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Free mid. That works on so many levels. <laughs> so yeah. many levels. It's it's very very clever. Uh, and watch them perform. Mason and I've been working on his uh, pine uh, pinewood derby car, and we've got it now painted. We just have to construct it next weekend. And I think that's pretty much it. Uh, the other thing that I did this week is just won't go into it much, but I decided to challenge myself and see how long I could go without eating any meat. And how long did you go? I've gone a week. And in fact, Are it was going meatless? to be it was going to be a Monday through Friday. And by Saturday, I felt like I still hadn't been challenged. And so I'm still having any meat for <laughs> since, hey. since last Sunday. And I'm not, I'm not doing strict vegan. I'm doing pretty much what a vegetarian does. But So I'm still doing milk and cheese. I have not had any eggs that are not already in something like breads or things like that. Oh yeah. Um, however, I haven't. I hadn't ruled out eggs altogether. Uh, it, it was. It's more for me just to see what it was like and see. My, I thought I would cave by like Wednesday or Thursday. And go. God must have meat. Uh, but it really wasn't that hard. And I and somebody at work told me that the the reason it probably isn't hard is a lot of times she heard that if you start craving meat, it's because you're not getting enough protein. I haven't been a lack of protein this week because I've eaten a lot of beans, I've eaten a lot of peanuts, I've eaten a lot, of, I've eaten a lot of nuts, I've eaten a lot of peanut butter, I've eaten a lot of thing, mushrooms. I love mushrooms, so a lot of my substitute stuff is high protein. Yeah. So it's difficult. It gives me appreciation for vegetarian vegetarians. I, I'm going to give it another week and see where we go. And and one of my motivations for it is I you see very few overweight vegetarians, so <laughs> <laughs> that might also help me eat healthier as well. So. See, I could go vegetarian, but I would eat all pasta. <laughs> It'd be such a carb-heavy diet that I would probably wind up putting on weight. Like you need it. <laughs> in in other news, more bacon for us. Yeah. Oh, uh, we Audie had Pinewood Derby that we went to on Saturday. It was pretty. It was okay. He wasn't all about it. <laughs> he started to get bored. He's kind of young to go. Yeah. He he his car came in fifth in oh. his in his den. Yeah. So. Um, and then we spent today tilling part of our backyard. I'd never tilled before, 
That's exhausting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dug up so many half bricks in our backyard, and there were so many roots that we had to try to fight through that <laughs> it was quite a, it was quite the ordeal. We watched uh, Everest. It was okay. Who's in that? A lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason Clark, the guy from Terminator Genesis and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Sam Worthington's in it. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is in it out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, Josh Brolin uh, is another main character. And Emma... Oh, I always confuse her with the other one. Not Watson. Emily Blunt? No. Older. Tom- Thompson? Thompson. Emma Thompson? Not not Emma Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I know, know it, no. her. Oh well, not not important. You would recognize her if you saw her. It was it was it was interesting. Emma somebody. <laughs> Emma somebody. It it was interesting. It was Emma uh, normal. It's it's kind of starts off a little slow, and I think my problem with it was Emma Bronte. Ella <laughs> <laughs> Fitzgerald. I think it had too many characters. That's the problem with the film. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> Um, so many, I can't even remember who they are. It even had uh, Nako, Nako Mori. Tosh was in it. That's a lot of characters. How about Yako Smirnoff? Robin Wright it? was in it. Kevin, Akira Knightley. Emily Watson. That's who I was trying to think of. Not Emma. Emily. Mother Russia. <laughs> Everest climb you. <laughs> yeah, it just... It, it it was kind of slow going, and then it, once the drama finally kicks in, it's kind of a little too late because I don't care enough about the characters. And if you don't get that joke, go back and ask your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Did we really just do a Yakov Smirnoff wrestling? <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate hanging out with you guys every week because <laughs> nobody at work understands me. Based on a real story, so, you know, you can expect how that's going to go. One of them made it out. <laughs> Anyone who died on the mountain is still on the mountain to this day. Not necessarily. Well, according to the end of movie spiel that you get with, you know, the, t- the text and the picture. You know who didn't die on Everest? Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed <laughs> didn't die on <laughs> yeah, Everest. Right. He's back. He made it back. I'm kind of excited about this. We should go... I feel like we're reaching this week. We, we, like, we, we should plan a let's trip. Let's throw this Everest. one out there and see what happens. Nope, that one didn't work. <laughs> I'm not going to go. I, after watching Everest, I don't want to climb Everest. But this is the beauty. If we go this week, we don't have to worry about being eaten because Glenn's given up meat. <laughs> <laughs> we would be the thing that would bit him back on meat. <laughs> I don't know. You're kind of gamey. <laughs> you would be the thing. That I'd be the thing. To <laughs> back on you know what? My meatless diet um, challenged me is when I had no food and I had to eat my friends. <laughs> that was the biggest challenge of staying meatless. That's the, I failed. That's, that's the name of your book. The biggest challenge of staying meatless. <laughs> Everest. <laughs> wow, Yakov Shmirnov and a cannibalism <laughs> joke. <laughs> Maybe we are reaching this week. <laughs> we we live in interesting times. Mother Russia, the Dahmer's party with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to put them together. <laughs> I thought it was logical. It made sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, with that's logical, we have well, gone you, off the rails. You're going to put this together with this. It's like, you can't just let them lie there separately. It's, <laughs> you got to eat one of them. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I did was finished all the trophies in LEGO Dimensions. Woot! Yeah. Nice. Did you do anything fun this week, Sean? No, I, wa- I watched. We watched half of Force Awakens on the camping trip, which was not the way to watch Force oh, Awakens. Right. Oh yeah, well that was last week. Yeah. And then, um, uh, what did we watch this week? We watched some more Agents of Shield. We're about, I don't know, almost to the midway point of season two. Loving this show, uh-huh. so good. We're really digging that. And then we we did rewatch uh, Snow White and the Huntsman today, just because we had the time and we knew we wanted see, to I think go I'd see. I'd rather go rewatch Force Awakens. Well, <laughs> but we know we want to go see. Uh, the prequel. See, I don't. The, 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 the prequel. Huntsman War. Huntsman, yeah, Winter's War. <laughs> it's a good movie. You should, enjoy, you should watch it. And, and I'll go one step further. I will go so far as to say that you will enjoy it because it's a different take on that. And you'll go, I really like this. But now that I've said that, you will be bound to determine to hate it. <laughs> Just to prove your point. So. And Mother Russia, movies watch you. <laughs> that was a stretch. It was a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> but he is in the second one. Yakov Smirnoff. He's, he's, he's playing Magic Johnson's character. Oh, <laughs> they recast him. <laughs> well, at least they didn't recast him as Snow White. So. Yeah. Well, he could act probably better. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've seen it or you've not? I've seen the Huntsman. You didn't yeah. like it at all? Yeah, not really. Some <laughs> of the visuals were alright. <clears throat> well, should we move on to news then? <laughs> yep. Now that I've had a convulsion. Uh, they BBC Three has announced the cast of Class. Which has begun filming now. Starring Yakov Shmirnov and Magic Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> the eight-part series will star young new talents, Greg Austin, Fetty Al-Said, Al-Said, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, Sophie Hopkins, and Vivian Oprah, and they will be joined by Catherine Kelly as she takes the role of a teacher and powerful new presence at Coal Hill School. So you can go check out their picture, and there's a nice Meet the Cast 360 exclusive thing you can watch that they posted. Kind of neat. Yay. Yay. And Peter Capaldi might show up. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) More universe building. I'm all for that. We got a bit of a synopsis now. Time has looked at your faces now, and time never forgets. What if your planet was massacred and you were the the sole survivor? What if a legendary figure out of space and time found you... A place to hide. But what if the things that want to kill you have tracked you down? And worst of all, what if you haven't studied for your A-levels? Like all six six formers, these four Coal Hill students have hidden secrets and desires. They are facing their own worst fears, navigating a life of friends, parents, school, work, sex, sorrow, and possibly the end of existence. Fear is coming. Tragedy is coming. War is coming. Prepare yourselves. Class is coming. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. <laughs> wow, you're already reviewing it? Yeah. Oh, so that's in the news. Also in the news, Gal- they've announced when galley tickets are going on sale. Gallifrey won 28 years later. <laughs> See what they did there. Uh, is, uh, next Does that mean they're going to announce Christopher Eccleston? And you don't like talking about the Omni rumor. Uh, it's <laughs> next year, February 17th an through 19th. <laughs> That just falls into the same category of it's speculation. Don't talk about it. <laughs> I thought I had a pretty good clue there, so to work with. No, they just because they've been doing 
you know, they've been numbering them. Last year was 27 glorious years. Last year's was 27 glorious years, and, you know, 28. What's 28? 28 years later. But there's a different meaning there, too, though. There's another level of... of Now you've set the bar, though. (laughs) (laughs) Sean and all the the poor people at Galley that listen to this are going, Oh, my God, now we've got to book him. (laughs) What have we done? Thanks a lot, Traveling the Vortex. Uh, Next year, it's February 17th, 18th, and 19th. Uh, at the, uh, of course, again at the uh, uh, Los Angeles Marriott Airport, and tickets go on sale this year. Thank goodness, April sixteenth, which is uh, coming up. Uh, what is this? Uh, Scant days away when you're listening just, to yeah, this. 12, Twelve p.m. Pacific, three p.m. Eastern, eight p.m. London. Ninety-five dollars for adults, fifty dollars for teens, twenty dollars for children. There is not a single day ticket available this year. And uh, the website is, uh, we'll have it in the show notes as well. It's gallifrey1017.eventbrite.com. So they're doing that. You've got a whole login. And last year, tickets sold out in, what was it, three minutes? Something like that. Um, yeah. So if you're interested in going. Question is, Sean, are you going to be hovering over your uh, keyboard on that date? I don't know, actually. Yet. I've talked to Mel about it, and we have yet to decide. What about you? No, no. Can't do it this year. So I'd be going again alone? Yeah, yep. pretty much. Yup. I don't know. Chris Rickerson. I moved that thing out of February. There's a better <laughs> chance of me going. But. Yeah. Christopher Eccleson's going to be. You don't go alone. You go with Mel. <clears throat> I know. But You guys make a time of it. so We do. It's a special thing between you guys. It is. And then you bring up great material for our show. I know. It's a bonus for me, too. <laughs> and sometimes you bring back autographs. It's a bonus for Keith, too. <laughs> but it's not the same. As if you guys were there. It just hasn't been the same since, since I was there. Huh? Yeah, it just hasn't oh. been, That's why I didn't go last year. Oh. This year. You know, just, <laughs> it we, we tried it once, and it was like, eh, Glenn's not here. So. That's right. We got our own Gallifrey that's right. in October. Yeah, time Eddie. Time Eddie. Woohoo! I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Is that it for news? That's it for news. Uh-huh. Move on to feedback. No feedback this week. Oh my gosh, no feedback this week. No feedback. But if you want to send us feedback, you can do so on our website, travelingthevortex.com. There's a nice contact us or slash send us feedback tab there. You can click on and fill out the form. Send feedback is what it says. It used to be one, now it's the other. (laughs) I keep getting them confused. And fill it out and send it in, or you can send it through uh, direct email with feedback at travelingthevortex. Uh, or you can reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and the Goodreads Book Club, of course. Maybe instead of send feedback, it should be, you know, yell at us. Yell at us. <laughs> or maybe feedback's a scary word. Maybe we, should, <laughs> we should retool that. Does feedback have negative connotations? I don't, uh, I don't so think we're in, in synergy. In audio, you don't want think feedback. So. That's right. Well, that's true. I don't think we're in complete synergy with our audience. <laughs> All right, well, should we do our reviews? <laughs> yeah. What do you want to do first? You want to do the audio or do you want to do the comment? Well, I think we should go in Doctor Order. We've been doing Doctor Order, so we have been doing that. But, but we have more of the audio next week. Not that they combine together in any way, shape, or form. Exactly, so let's just do the <laughs> audio first. <sighs> okay. Oh, well, you wanted to do the comics first. Huh? No, that's all right. We'll do the audio. We'll end on the high note of the comics. Why'd you ask? Why didn't you just launch into the comic review? <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have been the wiser. Too late. (laughs) The Auntie Matter. England in the 1920s. Whilst canine is... (laughs) 
Sorry, I just couldn't help it. Whilst <laughs> K9 is off in the TARDIS leading the Black Guardian on a wild goose chase, the Doctor and Romana are enjoying a leisurely lifestyle as the Lord and Lady of a London townhouse. But trouble never stays away from them too long. For, or for long. And before they know it, a chance discovery of alien technology leads them deeper into the heart of the English countryside, where a malign presence lurks. As the Doctor dodges deadly butlers and ferocious gamekeepers, Romana is faced with a malevolent aunt and an even deadlier peril, marriage. Dun, dun, dun. I really enjoyed this one. And Mother Russia, <laughs> dun, 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 reviews you. <laughs> no? uh, I really had to resist an Laughing even deadlier per- peril. Oh, an even Mal-wage. deadlier. Mowage. <laughs> Mowage. 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 It's what brings us to Cabal. I really enjoyed this story. Uh, even down to who I, I think was, at first, was kind of the weak point for it was Reggie. But then he kind of does this nice growth throughout the entire storyline that where he started off kind of obnoxious and kind of, oh, wow, okay, you're that guy. And then he kind of grows a little bit. Not a lot, but just, <laughs> just enough, enough. <laughs> to make him likable. I, I, I thought to myself when the, when the first open... Um, and we had that very long kind of bit of Reggie and and, and, and kind of going on uh, before we get to the Doctor and Romana. <clears throat> I was like, okay, this is all right. this is what's going on? And then, oh, canine's off in this. What about the dog? <laughs> we left him in there. Oh, he's got the scanner open. He can do this. He can do this. And I thought Keith is going to be so angry. I was so disappointed and by that. And he's just automatic, not going to like this. <laughs> yeah, but I heard the next time trailer, and now I'm really excited for next week. <laughs> So uh, this is after Armageddon Factor, right? Yes. Or, or, yes. or is it unclear? No, it is after Armageddon okay. Factor. Yes. Well, no, wait, no, that that's not true. No, that that is not true, because they are still running from the Black Guardian, and he says that he has sent the TARDIS in off. I in was order trying to, to remember how yeah, it he he all, sends all the TARDIS off in order to because by the time we get to Armageddon Factor, they have resolved the key to time issue. But at the upset end it, the Black Guardian, which is why he's chasing them, which is why in the next uh, season the Doctor has fitted the randomizer to the TARDIS so that he never knows where they're going to go. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so it that's, does, what, it that's does what I thought. Okay. You're I right. I'd forgotten about that. Fully defeated does, him because obviously he comes that. back. Yeah. It, 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 it technically, I think. It can go almost anywhere. I think it season. could go anywhere within the season. As soon as they look, figure out who it's the Black Guardian. But the randomizer has already been set in the following season, or he has just set it. I think he just set it. In, so that makes in me Destiny. wonder. That's interesting. That's a good point. I the problem that. is, I I can't in in my head canon, I can't squeeze this in between a key to time adventure because it would seem to me they'd have more pressing things to do. Well, yeah. <laughs> We've got to go yeah. get the next segment. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the fact that they open with that tells me that we've already dealt with that, and it's somewhere between the end of that and before Romana regenerates. <laughs> before she decides she wants a new body. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I kind of like, and, and, and I, I, I reference this only on uh, very limited knowledge, but I like the whole idea that apparently this story is done in the stylings of P.G. Woodworth. 
who yeah. wrote the Worcester and Jeeves stories. He also he was a humorist in the well, primarily in the uh, early nineteenth century or twentieth century, and he it, it's very much done in those style and and pretty much the extent of my knowledge of Worcester of Jeeves is the television series that uh, Stephen Laurie, or uh, Hugh Laurie and, and Stephen Fry did. And it is very much in line with that type of humor and that style and that days. And in fact, uh, the character of uh, uh, Reginald. Reginald actually is very, very similar to Worcester's character in what I've seen in the series. Mm. And uh, I really kind of like the idea that it's almost a bit... Agatha Christie meets Worcester and Jeeves. We get this not very complex story, um, which is just kind of... Uh, I, I, we, we got to the point where we were using the term fun romp so much that I decided <laughs> to back off and quit using it there for a while. But now I think we have a story that qualifies a fun romp. <laughs> yeah. And very much in the, in the humorous style... Uh, or the, the, the humorous style of this really lends to the idea that... The Doctor and Romana have parted ways at the beginning to go off and do their own things, are involved in the situation that's happening, and come back together at the end only to realize that they were both there and both and, a part and of never what cross paths in never the entire time. Paths. I love that whole part of the story. And so that was quite enjoyable. I think the characterization of Reginald was just perfect. He was It was such a great character. Um, while I did kind of see the what was the the girl he ends up ended up with uh, Mabel, he does end up with Mabel. I saw that coming, kind of not not early on, but but relatively late, but before it actually materializes and happens. Uh, and so, but I, I liked that. It was such kind a of nice a, moment when it did. When, yes, as soon as exactly. those two characters came together, it was like yeah. ah. Yeah, it was it was it was a neat bit of uh, uh, joining of of the two storylines there. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed the performance of uh, the aunt. I thought she did a, a, oh, yeah. a marvelous job and was very – I like when the, the villain is – has one motivation and one motivation only in, in this style of story i think that oh, the, having one really motivation well. it works it, it works really well i really like the gamekeeper and the butler um <laughs> the android yeah yeah uh, or the, i suppose he wasn't a butler he was a valet i guess uh and uh, i like the the premise of him feeding uh uh, uh <laughs> reginald the lines when he's trying to uh bait uh he does unwittingly bait uh, Romana yeah. to get to go back to the house. Uh, Reginald is is one of those uh, unintelligent characters that are that is very lovable. That you you see the folly of his ways from so far away, but you can't help but like the guy, yeah. even though he's especially when you've realized that he's been put in a situation that he has no control over, and his his uh, dim wittedness is almost used against him. And in, especially after the first woman that they take back, you kind of can almost excuse a lot of that too because of the memory wipes he's been yeah, getting. Absolutely. And I I like that they included that in there so that he's not just some dumb-witted guy that's working for his who he thinks is his aunt and unwittingly being e- doing evil's bidding. He just it's it having that. Uh, forgetting factor in there really helps his character. It almost lends to one wondering if the reason why he's such a dimwit now is, is perhaps the memory wipes have been doing 
something more to his mind and his brain that he has control over. And how many times has this happened? Well, yeah, he has that great line of you could lay them down and line Piccadilly Square, and I wouldn't do that though. Yeah. So you wonder. (laughs) So you wonder how much effect the mind wipe has had on his brain to maybe even make him a less intelligent character every time that it happens. He's been flashy thinged a few too many times. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You, you mentioned um, Green, uh, Greenville, uh, the butler, was uh, performed by Alan Cox, who you may not, because I didn't, I had to look it up. I just thought, hey, the guy was really good. I wonder what else he's done. Yeah, he was young Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Oh, really? Way back in the day. <laughs> well, this, this entire story had great casting, because the aunt was Mrs. Marple. Yes, yeah. In the and uh, Mabel... Uh, in the pilot episode of Constantine, she was Liv. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she's been in a bunch of other stuff. She's going to be in Preacher, and she was in True Blood and uh, the BBC Robin Hood. Oh, she wow. played Marion. Wow. So this entire story has fantastic cast, and uh, the guy who played Reginald has done stuff too, but I don't recognize him or the roles in the stuff he's done. Another bit of pedigree while we're discussing it. Uh, Jonathan Morris is the writer of this fine work. Uh, we last heard from him in Big Finish and Blood Tide and Flip Flop, uh, which were both his. And then most recently we listened to Max Warp, which I think helps contribute to that fun romp that Glenn doesn't want to yeah. talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's def- the story just has so much fun in it that it's, it's hard not to use that phrase. Yeah, it really does. Because there's also not... Aptly used in this case, I think. Yeah, because there's also not some great, huge world-ending terror and trouble that they have to overcome. It's relatively a small scale. Fairly yes, localized. Yeah. Women are dying, and that is horrible. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big scope that we try to avoid using when it's a fun romp. And at this point, it doesn't even appear that... Um, Auntie has has designs on London. Oh yeah, it just seems it's, like she's just—it's just, it's, it's just I, survival. I, I, and I like that that motivation for her. It, like you said, the the single motivation and the fact that she doesn't have higher aspirations. She just wants to live, and it kind of almost makes her sympathetic. They could have almost pushed that sympathy, sympathy a little more if this weren't a shorter story. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they didn't. Yeah, I'm thankfully gl- that, yeah. It, that it's it works. not it works because really of the well. fact that this this works in the format structure and time length that it is. Yeah, because the only reference you get to it is you know, are, you know, am I not allowed to survive? Well, not at the expense of innocent beings. No, yes. and that's kind of where they leave that. But. For there for a little bit until we got that bit, I almost thought we were getting a red aura situation where <laughs> the bad guy is just nuts and evil and just bad, and those are refreshing too. So it's. It's, it was almost to that level, but just brought back, just brought just, back just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I also really enjoyed Tom Baker's performance. Um, I, I thought w- when it first started and he's busy tinkering with the device and Romana goes off to have her adventure, I kind of thought, oh, well, he's gonna, Tom's going to be maybe sidelined a little bit for this one. We're going to have to find some reason to, you know, I just kind of, I don't know why in my head he was 
snuggled into his 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 den and had his uh his, his reading jacket on and was just not going anywhere yeah. <laughs> and then immediately goes oh we're going off on an adventure yeah. grab the maid why i need somebody to ask questions oh okay <laughs> i was, love that whole bit. it was such a great bit with just you know come along do this and do this and you know ask me a lot of questions and you know we'll, we'll have an adventure okay oh but don't say anything to the missus why not <laughs> She'll get jealous. <laughs> yeah, lots of energy from Tom. Oh, yeah, lots of energy, and I think it, that the, in contrast to the first season, which even I, I think I liked the first season a little better than you guys did, or, or didn't have as many little problems with it. But I also acknowledge that I felt like Baker didn't quite have a full. Uh, he wasn't using his full arsenal in the in that series in that season. I think towards the end it got better. I think that. He's finally kind of got comfortable in the the role again. I think uh, to me, he's he's never felt like he's left the role, but it feels like he's he has felt like he's been trying to find the doctor again just a little bit more. He's getting back to, in those yeah. shoes, and yeah. it's almost a it's almost a reverse of how we got the fourth doctor in the television era. Because it was it was a height of energy from the beginning, which kind of trickled down to the longer that he was doing it, the, the more he <laughs> felt like he was phoning it in. Yeah. And it seems like the first series of this audios sort of did the opposite of that, is where we kind of get a more subdued, slower-paced Tom, uh, slower-paced Fourth Doctor. And by this point, the energy is ramping up, and the character really feels like the Fourth Doctor again at its most potential. And which makes me excited for the rest of the season. And I think it's very obvious that he was glad to be back working with Mary Tam. I think that the two clicked really well and the characters just fell right back in line. It was mm-hmm. like they, they hadn't left uh, one, one another side from that series, that one season that they were in together. Oh, yeah, and she, sound, she did such a good job in the entire story. It sounded like they had recorded this for her back when they filmed this. Yeah, it, she it really sounded did. no different. Spot on. She found the character immediately. Yeah. It was so nice, too, that we got... Because I know one of the reasons that Mary Tam left the show, obviously, was that she just felt like there wasn't much to do. That you stand here, you scream, you get into trouble, the doctor comes and explains something. And, you know, she's a time lady. Arguably the first that we're aware of <laughs> to be portrayed on screen in this manner. And so she, she's not exactly. I mean, she's fresh out of the academy when the the season starts, but yet she's she she is not an unlearned individual. She she's got her her abilities and things, and yet to kind of still continue to be sidelined into that. Why do I have to ask the doctor what's going on? Well, because the audience needs to have that yeah. that dynamic. And so for her to be given the things to do in this, uh, where right out know, of the gate, right out of the gate, where she's the one, you know, yeah, I mean, she is caught up in this and, and and in peril right off the bat but it's not the doctor that comes speeding to her rescue she gets out of it on her own exactly. yeah and then exactly. she goes and she helps somebody else get out of trouble and then she goes and blows up the thing yeah. <laughs> in the her end. mind she solves the entire issue and technically she does because oh, yeah. the doctor's robot didn't <laughs> go off <laughs> it was great having her go off and have her own adventure and be even down to her own companion. Yeah. And then the switching of companions. I, yeah. All of that was just so well done. It's also terrific how the uh, the usage of the idea that, that uh, the, the Doctor was the first one to shut down the power that got her out of being uh, taken over as the next victim for Auntie. And then later, her blowing the ship flipped. up is the reason why the doctor and Mabel don't end up getting, you know, 
or was it was he with uh he was, he was with, with uh, Reginald at that point yeah. but the reason why he and Reginald don't get uh, basically subdued by the uh, whatever the alarm system thing that was was uh, melting. Oh no, her brain, it was Auntie going to go after. Auntie her. was attacking. Oh, Auntie, Auntie was, was attacking. Torturing yeah. Him. Anyway, yeah. at that point, the the torture that they're uh, submitting to is then turned off by Romana indirectly. So I love how they have this kind of mirror effect from the beginning to the yeah. end as well. It so. were, it's such a well crafted story. I think from top to bottom. That's right. The intrusion system was went off when Tom, when Tom, when the fourth Doctor and Mabel first came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and then he overpowers with it the was Sonic. her defending yeah. the. Uh, and it's just great seeing. I, Romana throughout her entire time on the show, either Lala or Mary, have, for the most part, been very competent and. And it's nice to see even more of that than we got on television in this. I love the fact that uh, Mary Tam was able to come back and do another series before she sadly passed. And I think the the most tragic thing about this is the fact that these episodes didn't release until after uh, nearly a yeah. six months after she had passed. Uh, so it's kind of it's it's sad and tragic that she wasn't able to uh, enjoy in the the actual release and get that reaction from fans. On the flip side of that, I am so glad that she was well enough at the time that she did it that we got that we season. able we were able yeah, to get yeah. another season of, of Mary Tam pertaining uh, Romana one. Uh, it's it's just another little added bonus to the Doctor Who universe that we we get some more of of Romana one. It really there. is. There's a part of me that almost wishes that this story had been a little longer, only so that we could have gotten a couple more henchmen robots. <laughs> the fact that they were all the same. <laughs> I love that they're identical. You know, but there, there, I mean, there were only two. There was the groundskeeper and, and the butler. Yeah. And I kind of felt like there should have been a chauffeur, valet, a valet. <laughs> there should have been a chauffeur and a cook and a <laughs> just just at all turns. Not for any reason other than I'm greedy and I enjoyed that character <laughs> a lot. And I love their the Doctor and Romana's reactions to them being androids. Oh well, yeah, okay, you're an android. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Mabel and uh, uh, Reginald's almost too hard to comprehend aspect to it. Because neither one of them really kind of freak out over the idea of the androids. It's almost like it's so incomprehensible that they just kind of, okay, we're going to sidestep that. (laughs) We're not (laughs) even going to try to wrap our brains around (laughs) this. What's going on here? Uh, Reginald's dim-wittedness almost kind of subdues that idea that or or enforces that idea i suppose that he doesn't really make a big deal about it and i think even mabel's inexperience with it is what makes it yeah. uh, acceptable the fact that she doesn't necessarily react to it in any such of uh, a fashion and she be. handles everything so so great it doesn't freak out or anything and just takes everything in stride of well that's a spaceship okay <laughs> It was almost to the point of, um, oh, I don't know if your brain was trying to comprehend something like a time lock, and it just kind of threw it up as a giant wall. Yeah. We're getting there. <laughs> That's why Sean wanted to get to the comics. Why don't we review the comics now? Does you guys have anything else to say about uh, the audio series? One, one cool little tidbit. Uh, Sean, for you, when you go see Huntsman, The Winter's War, pay attention to the king. He was he played Reginald. Oh, really? Well, there you go. You'll get oh, something. Get to, that, get uh, you get to see his face, and yeah. 
I'll go, I know who that guy is. Some <laughs> random king. It just says king. I don't know. <laughs> he may not be the king. He's it's a probably king. not the king. It's a king. <laughs> so one of the kings out there. All right. What do we got? What are we not <laughs> No. <laughs> Let's talk about some comic books. Comics. Let's talk about some awesome characters that show up <laughs> in the comic books. Let's talk about how excited I was. Now, I, I, Absalom Dak shows up in these, and I actually had the uh, the the card shown to me early because I was flipping through a Doctor Who magazine, which uh, announced or, or or showed that Absalom Dak was be going to be introduced to get into the comics, was going to be brought back into the comics. And I immediately got excited at that point. But I was like Keith had you? said in the pre-show that uh, he, you didn't expect it so soon. And I was in the same boat. I did not expect him to be there from episode or from issue one uh, of series two. And I was just ecstatic when he showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like the start of the story in general for this. I like being dropped in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. that's one really <coughs> cool aspect of it. You, you kind of almost feel wait did I miss something here once they show up and it's like oh yeah we're you're kidnapped and we're gonna torture you and kill you and I mean Alice kind of gives us a good setup with the you just had to there was an alarm it was specifically yeah. tuned to us you had to come down and check it out didn't you I said it's a trap you said oh whatever <laughs> and that's so 11th doctor too yeah. Throughout all five of these issues, I think their their writing still continues to be spot on for Matt Smith's portrayal of the Doctor. I think so too. Uh, even more so, I think now. Yeah, and I they, think somehow they well got I think, even better. I think what happens is uh, what what they got right is the little asides and mumblings that he always did as his character on television, where he would say something and then he'd kind of under his breath say something else, but then come back. And they've done it right in the in the way that they've done the. They have the dialogue or the, uh, the the text is big, and you can tell when he's done these little aside, talk, almost talking to himself moments, because the text is smaller, and it gets big again as he completes a sentence. And yeah. I think that's a really good way to illustrate the way uh, Matt Smith and his doctor would deliver lines, and especially lines where he had inner dialogue within in our outer dialogue within uh, what he was saying about uh, certain things, and I think that worked really, really well. Yeah. Well, and just the almost the long-winded explanations that he would give on the show—they they they captured those perfectly in this yeah. too. Yeah. In addition to the asides, the, the long explanations that don't really help explain anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Think of a banana. No, a banana's rubbish. That sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And this idea that he's being put on trial for something that the war doctor did and he doesn't remember it because we think well we they think the yeah. war doctor did well yes that yes. the, the alien species yep. thinks yep. the outcast is that who the that's the creatures take trying to kill them no the creature is the mon- uh, as as then and now well no, no, the, the the outcast is the ones trying to kill the aliens that the Doctor unleashed or created, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't that that wasn't the same? I don't think that was the same as the people putting him on trial. My okay. my app is not loading my pages, <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was the Outcast too, and I they they called the then and 
What was it? You just said it. The uh, then and now. The then and now. The then and now also had another name, and it was what created the then and now, essentially, uh, which were the alien things. And they were called well, I the, thought the, the, then and now, the then and now was like almost a bounty hunter that they hired. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. The then and now is the bounty hunter. The, the over the arc of the overcast is the ship that they were all living on. The overcast. The overcast. Overcast is the name of the bad guys that are putting them on trial. Okay. okay. What, what right. were the creatures that were killing the overcast? Those were. It starts with an M. The, I know it starts with an M. The malignant. Malignant. Uh, That's yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. And then the then and now is the bounty hunter. That's yes, one yes. of the bounty and hunters. I was getting one of them. I was getting the then and now and the and the uh, malignant confused. Yes, you're right. The then and now. What another great <laughs> and what a cool idea. Yeah. And uh, something that can only be visualized on comic. It's, it's a great comic villain. And I love the addition to, of the Squire. I've really grown to like her. It's it's uh, an intriguing character that we get. Uh, we have nothing. We have no knowledge of. We've never never been experienced this companion before. She shows back up, and we as the story is progressing, we're getting bits and pieces of her past. Very very few right now. <laughs> Um, but they're obviously leading to something, and I like that. It's and very the intriguing the way that they develop. She doesn't that remember it either. Yeah. That's what I think is even cooler: is the fact that we're discovering it as she's discovering it. I think it's and another. She even th- thinks she's young. Yeah, I think it's another <laughs> interesting aspect that we're doing a, we're getting a companion that traveled with the doctor when she was very young, and now she's come back and she's old. Yeah. And as you said, she doesn't realize it until much later that she is. But it's almost a dynamic that we've sort of asked for. I think we kind of got that a little bit with Sarah Jane in with the Tenth Doctor's era. Um, but this is, seems to be an even more uh, somebody. You know, Sarah Jane had uh, issues because of the relationship and what happened with the Doctor. This one's almost like the Squire has no has no change in her devotion. No, has no change in her. Uh, uh, Illusions of the Doctor, her visions, or not visions, well, how she, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't even come up with the word I'm looking for. Her uh, at, expectations of the Doctor yeah. are the same. There, she hasn't missed a beat since she traveled with him before. Right, and uh, I like that. I like how it's a companion who has aged and has returned to into the Doctor's life, and we're getting these these nice little nuggets and aspects. And I really hope they continue to treat this character the way they've done it and give us these little nuggets and and as she comes to realize who she even is because she doesn't remember very much as well so yeah well and it almost because she doesn't remember it almost feels like she's been plucked out of time yeah time scooped maybe yeah something obviously something to get her out of the time war because you know there's that big wall there i also (laughs) like the way that they're uh we'll get there (laughs) I also like the way that they're uh, addressing the War Doctor. In fact, it goes back to something we talked about a week or two ago when we were discussing uh, uh, John Hurt as the War Doctor. And I was talking about everything is painted based on the... uh, 
war doctor that we got in Day of the Doctor, and yeah. that it's really hard for us to imagine him doing anything else because of his mannerisms and his temperament and his everything about him from that. But I think what's interesting about the comics is it's giving us a glimpse into what the Doctor actually did and went through. And I I, I was kind of lamenting the fact that that writers would always paint the doc the war doctor's past based on what we got from day of the doctor but here it almost appears as though we're getting some of that mystery and that 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 uh, darkness that leads to the 11th doctor well the doctor's past nine wanting to forget the uh, war doctor what he he did not just based on the moment but everything that he had done at the time that he took the elixir as the eighth doctor became the war doctor up until the moment that there were a lot of things that he did that were I don't want to say questionable but things that weren't necessarily doctor like what what earned him the reputation to be stripped of the name of the doctor I like that uh, that the, the writers here at least are going into that uh, mentality that we had pre-Day of the Doctor of this mystery and all of these bad things that the War Doctor supposedly did to make the uh, subsequent Doctors after that want to forget. Uh, I think ultimately what the story arc will do will it will flesh out the idea that it is a misunderstanding of the Doctor, oh. <laughs> which I think is the conclusion that we came to with the Day of the Doctor, because Sean pointed out the the fact that you know he is very Doctor-like in Day of the Doctor. There are a lot of things that make him very Doctor-like and should not have ever been essentially metaphorically stripped of the title of the Doctor. Um, but we're getting back to that allure of who is this mysterious guy what could he have done that was possibly so bad aside from the moment what else could he have done why else that that would have made him such a uh uh incarnation that that the the rest of the doctors would want to forget and so i like where they're going with that now i like i say i think eventually he will be painted in a better light retroactively but right now we've kind of got back to that aspect and i like it's still a matter of With the War Doctor being, you know, what I was excited about is the fact that he was still the Doctor. He was still witty. He was still funny. He wasn't just all gloom and doom. But there's no doubt in my mind that in addition to the moment, which obviously is a pretty big deal, there were other atrocities. There were other things that he did in the name of what is good and just and right and trying to put an end to it. He's always got a gun, yeah, which is a little different than the doctor that we're used to. Right, I'm sure he's used it. It's not just there for looks and carving words on walls. I think I'm sure he's blown. Well, he borrowed that gun, even in uh, even in Engines of War. I mean, we had him all out battle fighting Daleks. I mean, that's that's there. There was no. There was no cloaking that. That was that was something that happened. Right, and 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 later in this one, when we you know the uh, Matt Smith's doctor gives us the bit about I you know, freed this chunk of the planet in order to destroy <laughs> that and, and and take out three battle fleets or whatever it was and, you know, transport it across the universe. This is all that's left of an entire planet. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of some heavy duty right. You know carnage and collateral damage. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure there are other things. But i I, I like that Time of the doc, Day of the Doctor. Day of the Doctor's Fifty. I like that it's given me at the very least a cushion. Yeah. That it's not just a rampaging homicidal maniac right. that the rest of the right. doctors aren't going to talk about. He is still the doctor. He's just doing very 
He's just being decisions. a warrior. He's he being is a being warrior. a warrior, he's, 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 which he's, he's, is is uncharacteristic yeah. for the Doctor. But so. the but the the base characteristics are still there. Yeah. So. so that that was nice to have that tied in. Um, going with the Squire, uh, just a, a moment that really there were two in the first episode that really kind of just tickled me greatly is when she plants one on Alice for getting them out of the <laughs> the, the the then and now coming at them. And just follows that right up with, yeah, I tied a string to the TARDIS. Yeah, so I <laughs> love that part yeah. of it. You know, it's almost like, okay, why do we never think of that? You know, <laughs> where's the trail of breadcrumbs to get back? Well, that's uh, actually an old trick because the uh, uh, was it Barbara and uh, Ian in the space museum who unraveled her sweater in order to tie it to the TARDIS so they would know how to get back. Oh, am, yeah. I, am I remembering yeah, that right? I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, that is that one. Uh, the doctor unravels his scarf. Well, we'll get there. We'll get, to, we'll get there to, to, to get to get to the zero room. But then, so it's not without precedent. Yeah, but then the the, the greatest uh, image of all time uh, in these comics is the last page of <laughs> issue, issue one. one, and that's that's when I texted you and said, <laughs> ah. Because yes, folks, Absalom Deck is back. <laughs> and how excited were we? Oh, immensely, I'm immensely <laughs> excited. Are they doing justice to his character? Yes, it's very much in line. Um, I think I find the interesting thing, and, and we'll obviously, when we get to, hang on, when we get to. When we go back and we actually do the the Absalom Deck storyline from back when, uh, oh gosh, it was it would have been was it it wasn't even Panini that was doing it at the time, but the in, in Doctor Who comics, uh, Doctor Who magazine, uh, when they were tackling the character of Absalom Deck, it, it, the premise of the beginning of that story, and I haven't been through all of the material. In fact, the nemesis of the Daleks, I think, is 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 uh, the last thing that I haven't read. And I think it's the last chunk of really his story. But everything that I read before is a lot of the setup. The fact that he and and I, I think they did a good job in this of alluding to they, the fact that he was a mass murderer who was put on trial, and just a little bit of history of this without giving too much away. He was actually put on trial, convicted of several egregious murders, and his punishment was he was made to go hunt Daleks. That was basically his lot in life. And he ends up falling in love well, with the he was actually given the choice. He, could either, he was given the choice. Either yes. be evaporated. <laughs> Death or, or battle or warrior. Go, go fight Daleks and see how long you last. And it, right, exactly. And so Assuming he died his, That's his sentence when he falls in love with a woman and ends up uh, falling in love and marrying this woman. And for a good chunk of after she, spoilers, dies, because we know now, but after she dies, she, he spends a good chunk of time dragging her body, her corpse around with him in space. And so it's one of those things where they they didn't even, they didn't set that aside. They picked they, right they, they, up they there and it. continued that, and it's so much in line with his character. And the guy is, is just seriously clinically insane. And so the characterization, they've gotten it right in these stories, and I love it. I love the fact... Uh, now later on in the stories, we also get glimpses into his somewhat humanity his as well, side. which we get a bit of a softer. We get those glimpses of the soft side in the stories 
uh, in the early days as well. And so I think that, yes, Keith, in answer to your question, long answer to your question, they have nailed the character of Absalom Dak. Even the look of him oh, is, yeah. is spot on. And his look still fits in with the art style that they're doing, it too, does. somehow. It it's, it's it's really well done. And I think they did a really good job of, for those who don't know who he is, you get enough information through issue two, and then yes. going forward you learn more, and they do a really good job of doling out that information, so it's not all a, one big info dump. Yeah, it's not a huge mystery. But there's this nice long <laughs> exchange where the doctor's making tea. And <laughs> Mathematical <his> tea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I also thought back to a few weeks ago when we did Time Heist, and I thought, oh, for Friday Night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it's so serendipitous that we just did Time Heist and got the glimpse of him in that as well, because he is one of the past well, criminal, yeah. criminals when, uh, I think it's the doctor that hacks into the... No, uh, it's it's Psy. Oh, Psy hacks into the criminal database, and his image is one of the images that comes up. And I thought... Yeah. Wow, it's it's just funny that we just did that story for Friday Night Who a few weeks back, and suddenly we've got Absalon Dak back back again. Excuse me, Absalon Dak, Dalek Hunter back, <laughs> and Bowtie Eater. And yeah, I, I love the fact that there's there's almost really nothing for him to do now because the Daleks are pretty like as the doctor said the Daleks are pretty much worth thin now. <laughs> and so he gets so excited when there's a chance that he yeah, might go get to go exactly. kill a Dalek. Uh, and there's the one in the one particular issue. I, I think we're just doing this as a chunk. We're not necessarily doing an issue by issue. Yeah. But there's a one time where he clues on into the doctor using the word uh, bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. And the squire clues into the word. Uh, what does she glom onto? And they're both repeating those words, and I, I just thought it was absolutely hilarious that just those words that they grasped grasp onto was uh, the so much said about their characters yeah. that he is this type and she is this type. And I can't remember what is the word that she keeps saying. I'm trying to find repeating. that page. Uh, it was just before they see the Sontaran armies going head to head over the bridge. Was, yeah, episode four. I yeah, believe. you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Or issue four. Yeah. What did you think of the? While well, Keith's looking at it, what did you think of the the, the third issue where it, the, the, all of a sudden, kind of, we took a narrative break, and almost very similarly got uh, the, the the. If you think back to the fourth Doctor issue that. Uh, Jones uh, was off doing something, and uh, but it was all the I, different color I panels. Eleventh Doctor, Eleventh yeah. Doctor. Did I, I, I yeah, loved issue forth. three. I thought the structure and how they framed it was so well done. The fact that each panel was a panel of the TARDIS, and, and in the in the window in the panel where the uh, police call box sign would be, the dialogue would be in the same yeah, font as the, as the call box sign. So well realized, and such a cool idea of the. The companions are loose, wandering the TARDIS and lost, and the Doctors. It's, it was such a good way to. It's for a the bottle doctor. episode. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's a, and it's, it's such a great way for well the Doctor to explore episode. those the, his memories and make it a visual medium where you can have all these Doctors are the ones interrogating him the entire time, his yep. previous selves, and explore to try to unlock those memories in his head while the companions are off kind of lost in the TARDIS. It was so well done. 
I also liked it. They didn't. I did, they kind of brought it back home and made it seem like it wasn't so much the TARDIS that was doing it, but when the the companions sort of kind of rationalized the idea that the TARDIS is trying to tell them something, and mm-hmm. it's using and it harkened back to Edge of Destruction when the TARDIS is doing very much the same thing in order to call attention to the fact that the uh, fast recall switch is stuck. And so I really liked that they were going along that lines, but then they kind of turn it at the end where the doctor kind of makes it well, no, it really was it was it was me keeping yeah. you locked out. It wasn't necessarily the TARDIS trying to communicate you with you. But there's a still a hint of perhaps the TARDIS was tr- in in protection trying to give them some information as to what was going on there. So they kind of skirted that. Well that's idea. early in the doctor's relationship with the TARDIS as well. So he just didn't know. Well, yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm quite fine with it. Head can't. <laughs> I also really liked the fact that when the then and now catches up to them and grabs a hold of the doctor and starts unregenerating him. <laughs> oh yeah, that it's yeah. peeling back the layers. And as the doctor's kind of explaining with his little monologue, that he goes, "Unfortunately, you're about to get hit with the same roadblock I am." And the war doctor shows up, and the then and now is kind of like, "Yeah," and can't go any further and gets thrown back from. Which Whatever is, psychic block is, is there. certainly fortunate that he's chosen to forget that time because that <laughs> ends up being a defense mechanism for him at that point. Yeah, I like that when the uh, then now first shows up, we get the the visualization of the the past and future. We get eleventh Doctor in the center, and then we get the curator on the, one side, yeah, and, the the, and, and behind and him is the, the first, first Doctor. Yeah. I thought that was a really good way to visualize that impact of, of the then and now showing up. Or, yeah, the then and now. I always want to say now and later. <laughs> that's so silly. <laughs> that's taffy things. Uh, yeah, no, uh, the then and now showing up. And then uh, it seems like that's that the, it's visualized in a new way later on, but I can't remember exactly how it happened later. I really enjoyed the, as Keith was saying, it's kind of a comic book idea, and you could only do it in comic book, but just the fact that it was supposedly... You know, because the doctor kind of says, oh, it might just be something to scare <laughs> Galifian children. But the idea that it's somebody who got a hold of a time machine and then purposely went about destroying every instance of a fixed point in their own timeline to, to create... make them a walking paradox. Uh, yeah. The ultimate paradox. And it's just like, that's hardcore. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a new level of crazy right there. And it's almost a shame that this thing hasn't been... A returning villain. Oh yeah, yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> because it's like a master, or a black guardian, or a yeah, Omega just, to a point, something of now this level. Now that they've created it, maybe it will be in the comics. Maybe it will cross over lines too. I, I, I don't. I don't know that I can say that I want it to come back yet because it's going to depend heartily how? on how we resolve this. Yeah, how, what happens? But um, yeah, just just the idea of, the, of it is is way cool. But what I really want to talk about. Okay, so so we got through issue three now. We're up to. Did you did you guys realize it was the doctors interrogating himself? Not until the end. Not until the end. Not until the panel where we see all of the Patardises with a, a portion of each doctor in it. I kind of started keying in a little earlier than that, just looking at some of the silhouettes, and then I kind of suspected the panel, bef- the page before the silhouettes, just based off of more so the one standing next to the light. Yeah. And his pants, I'm like, oh, those are checkered. That's kind of like Trouton's pants. Ultimately, I didn't pay that much attention, but when I went back in hindsight and then saw that, it was it was, they, they, it was they a dropped. lot more obvious. Yeah. Also, the, the doctor's monologue with the interrogators becomes less... Uh, 
outward and more inward. And so it was at that point that I suspected that perhaps he was talking to himself, but still did not think he was, didn't realize that he was utilizing his past selves in order to uh, portray the uh, uh, interrogators. Yeah. So, yeah. And it wasn't until that panel that I went, oh, obviously that's who he's talking to. And again, exceedingly well realized, and and yeah. Yeah. it's it's not until you go back and relook at it that you pick up those hints that they've thrown in the artwork and gone, yeah, uh, I should have caught on to that. Um, and yes, I'm ready to admit that apparently, although <laughs> it's not canonical, but um, <laughs> apparently, oh, it is Close in, the, in the continuum. It's very in the in continuum. The continuum it's, in the, it's in an episode. Apparently the. Time bubble or the uh, uh, time lock is a physical wall, if that's how you see it. <laughs> it, 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 it that's it, it, how the humans can perceive it. How they can perceive. Apparently, it. that's also how the doctor perceives it, because then he had to poke at it for several millennia to break through it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a wall. <laughs> see, I, I we're we're still on different pages. I think as far as the uh, uh, substance harder than diamond, I still think that that. Is the exterior of of the confession dial. of the confession dial, and the uh, well, I guess they're still technically in a time lock, even though now they're no longer destroyed. They're outside of the uh, universe that, as we know it. But still, I think that uh, yeah, it, well, it, the, it the, certainly the goes a step further to justify your visualization of the time lock. Sean. Thanks, I'm human. <laughs> No, I just I, I I still I can't put it as the the, the the harder than diamond wall as the outside of the confessional because the castle when they showed the overhead it's both it looks both like the gears and you know just I don't know just, there's there's a round wall already there it just kind of seems like eh, I, I don't I don't mean the physical outside I mean more of the metaphysical outside right. of it. it's the it's the barrier between it's it's probably a combination of the time lock and the uh, somehow, metaphysically, they're connected. So it's a wall. <laughs> it's a wall. <laughs> Both times. Yeah, the the issue where they're kind of on the space on the planet was there for me. It was probably my least favorite. It, it, it helped propel the story forward. Where the the junk heap planet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the uh, the, the, the piece until, of Gallifrey that's been removed to. It wasn't Gallifrey, was it? Was no, it? it was just another planet. Oh, planet. oh, okay. Whatever planet he had worn yeah. on at that time. Until the pillar shows up. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the idea of extermin hate. <sighs> and, that, and how so they're tying that can, in. Can you tell me in which stories, because I couldn't remember, they're all melding together in my head, that the master, uh, outside of the master's TARDIS, resembled a pillar, Sean? I want to say Planet of Fire was one of them. Was it? There's been a couple. There's been a so couple. So you, re- you recall it. So it was an automatically recognition to you. Yeah. Good. Because the one time that I can remember it. <laughs> you were worried. It was in that <laughs> zone that we've, the forbidden well, zone for Keith. And I went, mm. I mean, it was, some, mean it was I something else at that time as well. Yeah. But it was also a pillar at one time. And I thought, oh, no. That I don't mean I didn't pick it up through osmosis. Well, from the I, 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 I don't know if it was in any third Doctor episodes that it showed no, up as no. a pillar. I remember, but it specifically being, Fifth Doctor ones, I do seem to remember. Well, it was a, uh, uh, it was a circus wagon. Yeah. For the <laughs> third Doctor at one point. 
I also liked the um, the, the, van, the, the the throwaway joke that we get at Absalon Dak's expense at the beginning of episode, uh, issue four about semantics. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, hand me my Sonic because it's a Sonic device. Semantics, and he just charges out of the middle of nowhere to kill all these alien robots that have shown up. <laughs> kill all, all the semantics. Yeah. Well, semantics is even still within the dialogue that he's having with Alice, and so it's not. I mean, it, but as he says, semantics, and then <laughs> Absalon, who has charged himself now with attacking semantics. <laughs> <laughs> Here's that as a call to duty, and uh, yeah, that was just and and Alice's comment about this is as a uh, library assistant, this is a complete nightmare. Or whatever, I don't remember exactly how she phrases it, but it's like uh, it's so well written. It is so well written. You might say it's masterful. <laughs> dun, dun. So, and I'm I'm not mistaken that perhaps the batch of Santarans that the <laughs> Santaran propers are in, engaged in battle with are master, master clone batch yeah, of Santarans. I, I get that impression too. That is the, his his whole uh, his whole I, great I plan there was just a, there. just just enough. Just that shot of what we presume is him in silhouette. Discussing the, the the benefits of a of a goatee, <laughs> and that you should have a beard, and then all the Santarans had beards, <laughs> and the rest of the Santarans had to come and kill them. <laughs> so the three stories that uh, the, the idea, sorry, the idea of the suicide bomber Santaran. Oh, that's was a chilling element because I yeah. thought something so, uh, a a particular uh, batch of Santarans bred specifically to be bombs. That was a cool aspect, a cool yeah. element of it. And then when we get the close-up of his face, and he has this just, like, insane look. Like, the one eye is just not quite right, the other one's looking forward. And I thought, wow, what a, what a, what a chilling aspect. And just one little nugget in this that really kind of expands the scope of the character of the Santarans greatly. Yeah. Well done. Masterfully done. So it looks like so far they're at least... On television, there's been four times where it's a column. The TARDIS is a column. I knew it had been in more than one, but I couldn't remember how many of the, the four other one, were in that The other chunk. one I've seen is Time Flight. Oh, that's right. Okay. It's Planet yeah, of I do Fire, one of them. That. Yeah. I do and remember Time Legopolis Flight. And Legopolis and Castro Yeah, okay. So there are two in that. Okay. That's why I was concerned when I read that. I thought, it's not going to have the same impact. He hasn't seen those. <laughs> I still recognize <laughs> yeah, it. That's good. So, you know, if, if you're having difficulty following along with this story, just we're going to lay down. We, we've got Absalom Dak showing up, which is awesome. We've now got Suntarns and Daleks, of course, and the War Doctor. So that's all awesome. Now we've been given the Master. Let me step back real quick. Okay. Because when he said Bob, I went, <gasps> and then he said Bob the Dalek. And I went, oh, <laughs> darn. But then... When he encounters the one, or when they encounter the one single Cyberman on that planet. Oh, yeah. And he talks about how, don't worry about him, it won't come back to life. Well, at least they don't usually do that. I thought, what a great moment. But then I had a revelation. One single Cyberman on this planet left. Is that Handles? Is that, oh, does he pick him because up? Because we, he, yeah, he hasn't been picked up yet in this timeline of of the eleventh Doctor. 
Is this where he goes and he gets handles? Maybe Possible. maybe this Cyberman will reanimate soon. <laughs> okay. Bloodshed, bloodshed is what apparently bloodshed. both of them were. Bloodshed and Vortex Pheromones. Vortex Pheromones is the key one that she keyed on yeah. in on too. And I thought just by each of those characters having those lines spoke volumes about their characters. Because in reality, they're both warriors. They're both very similar characters with great differences. And just those zeroing in on those, what they zeroed in on, were just spoke volumes about the individual characters of two very similar people. And now she does start saying bloodshed later, but that's because she's at that point looking over the hill yeah. and seeing what's happening on the battlefield. And so that's oh, why she then suddenly, yeah, then she zeroes in onto it for a, a different reason that uh, uh, Dak does. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that Dak also got two of those little cool little alien yeah. insects and set them free on that the snow planet once they get there. Yeah. And tells them not to tell anybody you'll come back. <laughs> yeah, and, and then Alice has the, the secret that, now because she overheard it. And that she's beginning to crush on him a little bit. Well, he's crushing on her a little bit, too. Yeah, so it's, it's sure a nice little romance. Yeah. You got pretty hands, too, by the way. <laughs> it's I nice be- that we get that moment right, right after the doctor once again throws out a, uh, Dak, chop, chop. Oh, which, by the way, I do not, in fact, mean chop chop. <laughs> but you know, so he's just another dig. You're the yeah. potato one. You're the, you know, so we we he just continually, you know, heck of this. And then right after that, we get this moment where <laughs> Dak says some flies. Yeah, and it's um, like, Aw. it 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 actually the budding relationship between Alice and Dak. I think if done correctly, can be a motivation for Dak to get some closure. I don't know that I want a relationship between the two. But closure. But but getting yeah. but getting the 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 beginnings of something could give us some give his story some closure on the wife that he lost. Uh, this might be a chance for him to realize the moving on point in his life as well. And I would love to see them explore that. I'm just speculating, and I'm kind of presuming ahead, but that would be a nice moment for the writers to say, okay, we've brought this baggage on board with this character that has been consistent from the beginning, but how long can you go on with this? Mm -hmm. How long can you go on with this characterization? And this might be their subtle way to put give that closure in order to move on from dragging the (laughs) corpse of his wife. Across the universe with him on this vengeance. I, I wonder if also part of that will be since the TARDIS squirreled her away somewhere. If until he reaches that point, the TARDIS won't give her back. Could be. That'd be another element to it that would help. Yeah. So when we get to, <clears throat> I know where the doctor's tar- or where the master's TARDIS is, and we proceed to break in. Just, I didn't realize oh. it was Storm Cage. I, I love that they first land and they're facing the wrong direction. Oh, no sorry, idea. turn around, turn around. Did, did anybody have any inclination that... We should have known by this panel alone. <clears throat> that looks <clears throat> just like the hallway that yeah. Rory stands in during uh, Good Man Goes to War. Once again, another bit of great artwork. I thought that, we were going to Mondas or something. The, 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 the clues are all here. 
And then, so did you find it at the Master's Charters? Here? No, 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 no. That's somewhere much, much worse than this. You said you knew where. I do, but it's not here. <laughs> you want me to murder him? I'll do it cheap. <laughs> every, every bit of Dak's dialogue is awesome. I had certainly thought that they were on their way to the Master's Tardis. Yeah, like, oh, completely, yeah. I bought that hook, yeah. line, and sinker. And when they're questioning that precise thing that he had led them to believe, and we show up on... on uh, uh, you just said it. Storm, Storm Cage. Cage. Thank you, Storm Cage. Which we didn't know it's Stor- we don't no, know we don't until know the final Cage. panel. Yeah, and when, it, when it's when River shows up, I was like, oh, and, and that's the beauty. Of it, marvelous. Uh, Squire asked. And I knew she was coming, and I didn't. I, I had seen that like promotional stuff that River's coming to the series. I completely I, forgot by the time I was I'm reading. Quit this. looking at uh, promotional footage though for these comics because <laughs> we get them so. We're so far behind most of the time that I, I got spoiled on Absalom Dax. Luckily, I had got spoiled on River, but you had. But fortunately, you had forgotten, forgotten. by the time we got. I think it. at this point, I'm enjoying this storyline so much. I'm just going to start reading it month to month, anyways, and then I revisit. Too. I think I am too. <laughs> I do, do a massive bunch. reread because it won't be a painful struggle to go back and do these again yeah, and look at them again. So good. I just love this, the fact that they, the, the setup is so good. Squire asks, why are we here? Shouldn't we be valiantly fighting our way into whatever the other place is? And the Doctor says, well, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, quantum heist, breaking and entering, galactic larceny, violence, it's not really what I do. But I know someone who does. And then there's the final panel of her behind bars. Hello, sweetie. And I went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Like, I didn't have enough of that moment all throughout this comic so far. Ah, there's another one. <laughs> I think the same thing. I like how so far this run, they've each had, for the most part, there's then the two part and then kind of standalone stories, but they're so heavily tied together with the main story arc that nothing, there's been no one offs really. It's been so heavily connected. And I really like that aspect. Well, and I'll be honest, I'm not sure what I expected going into Season 2. I kind of expected something more like Season 1. Uh, yeah, I figured we'd have a couple of I stories here and a couple yeah. of stories here and everything like that. But it's it's totally in keeping with, realistically, what we did get in Season 1. Because, ultimately, there were a little off stories, but they were all part of a bigger arc. And we even commented on it when we got done with it that, yeah, that's very much like what they were doing during Matt Smith's tenure. They were kind of doing these big, long, overall arc yeah. things. And so when we get to this, and I get to, which, by the way, issue five is, is actually titled The Judas Goatee. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't catch that Didn't until catch now. That um, but when you get to, the, to, to issue five, and there's River, and I went, oh, cliffhanger, we're only doing five issues this week. So I immediately jumped forward and kind of looked just to see what was up. And it's going to be kind of, it looks like this might be the, for the entire run of this season. It's doing it's, it Which would format. be wonderful. And I like the idea that they're going to do that. But they've also kind of, they've still done this in chunks. Because yeah. we had the part one and part two that was the, the trial planet. And we were introduced to all the characters. And then we, we step away from that. And they each issue has its own elements. Then. But... It is one one continuing. They're all part story. of the greater story. I, I, I think it's elevating beyond what they did on television. Yeah, I agree. More this season, season one was because nothing's felt like a one-off. Like yeah, we get in the series. Yeah, there was there hasn't been a curse of black spot. Right. Well, other from than the bottle six. show, maybe, but just but no, that, no, that's even that's not from dealing, plot, but, from but structure. that's dealing with yes, yeah, structure wise. Structure I think wise, that's yes. what I think makes these issues feel elemental. Individually and elemental, but it still continues that thread, that narrative thread, more so than the series did. It's the really strong serial storytelling. Yes, agreed. 
So then I was very angry that we ended on a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be like that the entire year. I think so. Yeah, because they've all been kind of cliffhangers, uh, to some degree, or more so for others. But even the the Tardis, the Master Tardis, it's a masterful. That was a great cliffhanger yeah. too. So I mean, it's all been boom, 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 boom. Makes you want to pick up the next issue. It, yeah, it does. It, it, it really it, does. I think it also this type of storytelling because it's intertwined so much there's so much story that you're not focusing if if you are reading these month to month i think this sort of storytelling is a little maybe easier in comic form um remembering what happened so many months ago when it's not you've had seven stories since then while you have it feels like it's one long story so you remember it better then what was that one element of the angel two-parter that I need to remember going into this? It's not that kind of storytelling, right. which I think for comics works even better. Yeah, especially since it's a month-to-month instead of yeah. week-to-week. Yeah. So it makes it easier to remember from month I remember going back uh, when I was picking up the Buffy Season 8 uh, issues. And there were a lot of standalones that I, and then when we got to the kind of the end of the season, I needed to go back and revisit some of the first issues to remember. Okay, what's the big arc going on here? So, it can be a challenge. All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we have schedule revisions. The revisions to the schedule. Slight revisions. Slight revisions, mostly minor, bold minor, major minor ones. Um, this week for Friday Night Who, uh, we are concluding the Armageddon Factor with parts four through six, uh, in order to get more Fourth Doctor and Romana, uh, big finish audio goodness, uh, which we will review next week. We're going to do the next two episodes in the Fourth Doctor, uh, arc, uh, season two, which is number two, The Sands of Life, and number three, The War Against the Land, which I have it on pretty good authority, maybe a two-parter. <laughs> quite possibly I scheduled it that way on purpose. <laughs> The following week for Friday Night Who, we're going to do The End of the World, uh, which, of course, we've already reviewed because it's a Ninth Doctor story, but that means we get to go beyond the Doctor with Christopher Eccleston, and we will be watching Elizabeth and discussing his fine performance in that. I'm assuming it's fine. It's been, I've seen it, and I don't remember him in it. Huh. So maybe, maybe it's, well, Did it's you just, see it before you knew who he was I, the no, Doctor? No, no. That's the, that's the difference. This is the, one of those ones that is the, oh, okay. But um, I just don't remember, I don't remember much of the story either, so... Uh. It's been a really long... Like, I saw it when it came out. Um, but then uh, we're going to finish out April with uh, Friday Night Who uh, will be Ambassadors of Death, parts one through four, not one through three, because Keith pointed out that it's a seven-parter, not six. I don't know why I thought it was different. <laughs> uh, and then we'll uh, do the next three parts, the final three parts, and we decided to keep that the same because that's kind of how we've always done that one. Uh, but in between those two... Um, Parts for our episode, actually, we're going to be reviewing the Lethbridge Stewart shorts. That was the other thing I forgot. I've got to go back and add that to it. We're going to do In His Kiss by Sue Hampton, The Unfolded Time by Andy Frank Mallon, and there was another one, wasn't there? The egg one. The I egg can't one. Remember the name yeah, of it. That, that's why I forgot to add that to the schedule. I will go back and do that now, so it'll be on there. We'll have the three Lethbridge Stewart short stories, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about unit dating. The Black Eggs of Khufu. Thank it. you. And then we'll finish off Ambassadors of Death at the beginning of May. And then we'll have our uh, review of the uh, April selection for the Traveling Vortex Book Club, which we didn't have a title for. We do now. It's The Stone Rose by Jacqueline Rayner. 
So uh, you may want to start reading that since we're in April. (laughs) All right. Be sure that you support us on this podcast. If you're uh, already a Patreon supporter, thank you very much. If not, we have this little uh, click-through link that you can go to from our website, and uh, you can become a supporter as well. Any little bit helps, and 100% of those proceeds go right back into this show. Uh, We also have some sponsors on the uh, side right rail of our page. We'd like you to click through and check those guys out because uh, portions of those proceeds go back into this show as well. And we have added some new sponsors uh, this week. I do want to point out that Think Inc. is now a uh, sponsor for us as well. So uh, an advertiser, I should say. And uh, I wish they were a sponsor. (laughs) That'd be kind of cool. And uh, TV... TVshop.com is uh, another one, so uh, be sure to do that. Uh, We've also got some Google AdSense on there, which will help add some revenue to this show, so please support us by going through there and and clicking on those links, clicking on those ads. Uh, I think that's it. I don't believe I have anything else. You guys have anything you want to add before we wrap up the show? I don't think so. Well, sorry about the audio glitches this week. Apparently, we've got a mic problem, but we've powered through them, so... All right, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. In Madarasha, Vortex travels you! You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.